All right. Welcome back to uh, the Bedcast. Episode 002 re-recorded. This one's talking all about storytelling. Basically, it's uh, effect on civilization throughout history and uh, culture at large. Basically, mankind history. Um, before we had any kind of written history, obviously we, we, uh, told stories by mouth and, um, that's, you know, how our history got passed down. And then we figured out how to write. And, and since then we've had written language. That's why, uh, I think storytelling is so important because it's still a part of our culture that's still around today, which is pretty, uh, everything I talk about, is going to go back like 5,000 years or so. Well, maybe maybe further than that, but we'll get to that. I'm going to start things off with a song from uh, Towns Van Zant. It's called Poncho and Lefty from the film Heartworn Highways. Highly recommend you guys go check it out. Buy it if you can. I don't know where you can buy it, but uh, let's check it out. <laughs> I'll, play, uh, I'll play a medley of my hit. Okay. Of your <laughs> <laughs> I'll play this song. This is written, I wrote this about two Mexican bandits that I saw on the TV two weeks after I wrote the song. Which is out there, right? Kind of out there. I mean, it's out there for him. Out there for everybody else. your mama's only son but her favorite one it seems she began to cry when you said goodbye sank into your dreams poncho was a bandit boys his horse was fast as polished steel his gun outside his pants for all the honest world to feel. Poncho met his match, you know, on the borders down in Mexico, and nobody heard his dying words. And that's the way it goes. And all the federales say. Could have had him any day. They only let him hang around. Out of kindness, I suppose. Well, Lefty, he can't sing the blues all night long like he used to. The dusty poncho bit down south ended up in Lefty's mouth. The day they 
late for Pancho Lo, lefty left for Ohio, and where he got the bread to go. Oh, that ain't nobody knows. And all the federales say they could have had him any day. They only let him slip away. Out of kindness, I suppose. Pick it, and it won't ever heal. Tell how Pancho fell Left his living in a cheap hotel The border's quiet and Cleveland's cold So the story ends, we're told Pancho needs your prayers, it's true Save a few for Lefty too He just did what he had to do Okay. Um, okay. Yep. So that that song she wanted to hear was actually the one he was gonna do uh, next in the movie. But if you want to hear that, either go check it out on um, YouTube or go buy the uh, movie. Um. Yeah, storytelling like that has been around for thousands and thousands of. Years. Look back as far as uh, Mesopotamia around. Like three thousand BCE, like five thousand years ago, um, they they had a lot, a lot, a lot of gods for um polytheistic acts. Basically, um, they wrote down these stories on clay tablets that um detailed how they believed uh, the world came to be. Um, basically, the one I had read, um, was called The Debate Between the Sheep and the Grain, and it basically details how, um, people were, um, how people were living before grain came to be. They were, um, acting like animals, eating, uh, grass like sheep, and drinking water from ditches and then yeah gods passed down grain and we got our shit together um but it, it's really interesting to see how they evolved too you know there's always a lot of uh 
inherent magic in there for the thing that we we can't explain yet and uh, <clears throat> that's obviously a big uh, rope for stories um another one uh, i just i'm pretty sure i just closed the tab forget it started with an e it was from the Therians, which is another um empire that existed in time period about a thousand years so later um that basically uh it talks about the god Marduk and how he he pretty he fought a pretty vicious campaign against all these other gods and then um they chose some other guy I don't know why to use his blood to create man and then we came from all of this other shit that happened. So that one was actually pretty complicated. I don't I don't know why it had to be so complicated. There were like three generations of gods that had to be born before we were created from some other dude by random by random chance. I don't know. I don't even it didn't even specify how they picked him. Um they were just like, No, this dude's it. Maybe they did, but I, I don't think so. Um But then Fast forward potentially maybe another thousand years ahead of that. Um that would be around first century CE. Um that's when all the now major world religions came out. Their uh events were happening. Um well the two of not uh Judaism, I think that was another five hundred years before maybe. I don't know the time. But um, also on another, the other hemisphere of the world, um, and other parts of the world besides the um, Indus Valley region, there were other uh, indigenous peoples who were doing their own kind of uh, creation in uh, North America. And I I uh, I don't know how to date this. Looked it up, but I didn't find a date for it from the Iroquois people. Um, they have a really cool creation myth about how the world is on the back of a turtle, the big turtle, and we're on his shell. And uh, sort of goes like, there's a there was a world guy where everyone uh, was it, no one was ever born or died, and tree that. Uh, Powered over everything and gave light to everything. And uh, this this woman, guy woman, found out she was going to give birth to twins. And for whatever reason, her husband was pissed. He ripped up the tree out of the ground, and then it created a hole. He, uh, she decided to look through it. He just booted her down through it. And, uh, oh, because she saw the water down below on Earth. And so... Um, she's fallen, and this was a given, but they said all of the sea creatures had already been created. Birds saw her falling, and they're like, oh shit, we gotta save her. They save her, with um, they're flying her on their backs, and then they gotta find somewhere to put her down, so then all the sea animals are going to the bottom of the uh, ocean to try to bring up some mud in their mouths. They're all failing, except for, I think it was a toad little toad comes up with mud and they build it up into the size of North America. I think that was as far as most of these tribes had been. Um, 
or I mean, I don't know how far the average one. They were nomads, but some of them settled in. Um, and uh, what was it? The guy who uh, the guy who did it. I think they pushed him uh down off of Earth. He came down. They're like, "Fuck you!" They booted him. And you can still feel him shaking in wrath or something, and that's like how they figured out or explained volcanoes. Um, and the the Native Americans really had a great respect showing their roles and but um, all of these have uh, kind of happened over the last five thousand ish years. You know, that's kind of uh, when our at least our understanding of uh history kind of civilization kind of starts but um there's this guy i uh saw he actually i saw him on um JRE a couple times his name is Graham Hancock i read i i've read some interesting things about him i i really like uh talk his uh, his interviews are really really he drops a lot of knowledge, unless it's all false. Um, I'll I'll get to why, but uh, he he kind of has some fringe theories on potentially there being a lost civilization, something like a coronal mass ejection. Basically, uh, the sun is always shooting out shit at us, and that shit is pretty dangerous. But our ozone, which we've yet to completely destroy, or not political science, um, haven't yet, um, protects us from the most of the shit. But sometimes we'll have, uh, I think they call it, still call them ozone days, where, um, you know, the ozone layer's a little thin that day, and it kind of sucks to go out. But, um,. Yeah, so basically the sun's always shooting shit out. All these flares are always coming out. But a coronal mass ejection, one that's really, really big and could potentially do harm to us. And there actually was one that was recorded back in, I think, the either the 18 or 1700s. It was powerful enough to wipe out the uh, telegraph system at the time. And uh, people, and people drew. I'm pretty sure they drew paintings of it, or made paintings of it, or uh, drew pictures of it, because it creates kind of like a aurora borealis effect in the sky. And they they trace this phenomenon back to uh, cave drawings. Even I'm pretty sure he said, uh, and they figured out what it was. So I think that it's it's not like. I don't know. Based on that evidence, they think that or he thinks that this might have been a, it might have been a more common occurrence, maybe under a couple hundred thousand years ago, or even tens of thousands of years ago, than it is today. Because uh, right now, I think we're at the end of a solar cycle, so the sun's gonna start kicking back up again a little bit until it hits another maximum, maybe then kind of pitters out, and then we'll go, you know, start going downhill again. But um. Um, yeah, so he thinks that around, like, 12,000 years ago, 
there was an ancient civilization that was uh, wiped out entirely by a coronal mass ejection. And I, I read an article that detracts from this because there's so little proof of it. But and and it's it's almost trying to discredit him because it uh, said he's self-taught and a bunch of other things, and it even calls him audacious. Um, I don't know. It doesn't really give. It just kind of says, well, there's not a lot there, so we we're not going to listen to this guy. And I don't. I don't. I think it's it's at least interesting to listen to at the very least. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it is. Either way. It uh, gives an interesting perspective on things, you know, because it's it's very possible that there were even more uh, ancient civilizations further back that we don't know about now that we lost. Because I mean, I don't. I mean, I was. I'm pretty sure the Library of Alexandria thing is not actually accurate anymore because people were free to come and copy from that before it burned down. But I'm pretty sure that we probably still have lost a lot, if not most, of our ancient writings and knowledge of the ancient world because um we don't have a we don't have a whole lot of written record from you know like that area from this mesopotamia up until ancient egypt and that um around a thousand years or so maybe not maybe not quite maybe maybe there's different um um overlapping stretches of history there that I'm not realizing right now. But I, I feel like there's probably still a lot there that we can learn and figure out and deduct through maybe archaeology or just piecing together um, more relevant like context uh, to documents and pieces of, uh, you know, I forget what artifacts we find, you know. Um, but Basically, there is a little bit of uh, something to this, though. That was the point I was trying to get to. There is a um, there's an article he did with the Yorkshire Post. Huh. Um, but there's a place in Turkey called Gobekli Tepe. It's in Turkey, so I'm not really sure how to uh, say it. There's umlaut on the O. Rebekli Tepe, maybe? I'm I'm not super sure. But basically, this this uh, they dated this to about 12,000 years old. It's a temple in Turkey. Um, artificial mounds spread across eight hectare acres at the top. Of end of the Fertile Crescent near the present-day city of San Liurfa. Features a series of circular sunken structures that had been occupied for a thousand years before they were backfilled and abandoned. Huh. Um. Yeah, at around 12,000 years old, Gobekli Tepe in southeast Turkey has been billed as the world's oldest temple many millennia older than Stonehenge or Egypt's uh, Great Pyramid. Built in a pre-pottery Neolithic period before riding or the wheel. So that's that's kind of interesting, right? How this was built before riding or the wheel. Uh, I don't know how advanced architecture is of this. Construction techniques vary, but in the most elaborate, there is a ring of T-shaped monolithic columns with a pair of larger carved T-columns at the center, up to five meters tall. 
not only supported a roof for at least some of their life, but also represented abstract human figures that were part of a belief system that is not yet understood. They are sculptural as well as structural, with animal figures in relief. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and there's pictures of it and shit. Huh. That is really neat. So it's it's kind of um interesting to think about how much was built up around this out of those twelve thousand years. Obviously, you know, erosion and the natural processes like that take you know tens of millions of years. Now, the Grand Canyon wasn't carved in ten thousand, but in in ten thousand years, uh, probably a good amount of uh, erosion occurred in it. So I'm I'm wondering because it looks like uh this is on a big hill, but also it's been covered by lot of stuff. Wonder how much of that climate and nature versus like them actually having carried it in. Oh man. Um this'll be a real doozy. Um <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I mean I'm not really Tired, I just can't uh on him. Um water right quick. Oh man, that is much better. Yeah, it's hurt from water, you know. Um, is there more about this? The largest circle is 17 meters by 25 meters, but geotechnical surveys suggest there are bigger structures waiting to be unearthed. Ooh, earliest limestone monoliths were created locally. Stones were later transported long distance. Communal effort involved in this endeavor must have involved hundreds of people, but it appeared that most social groups had no more than 25 members. Okay, so that's where things start getting interesting. Because, again, this was before riding or the wheel, supposedly, you know, I mean, not supposedly, but, you know, in, in how we have an understanding of our modern uh, civilization development. And the elaborateness of this suggests that hundreds of people were involved. I mean, it's, it's possible that maybe this was a center, central... Uh, communal hang, I guess, you know, that these multiple, multiple groups came, all worshipped here, did whatever they did here, and they all built it together as kind of a, a community project. That's, it's possible. But it's also possible that maybe uh, somebody else left it behind from even further, you know, behind, further, I mean, further in the past than that, you know, in this modern, this ancient, ancient civilization has come and gone, and the remnants are what maybe. But um it says Gobekli Tepe was built by hunter gatherers apparently before the agriculture revolution was fully permanent. Oh before the agri agricultural revolution when fully permanent settlements came into being with plant cultivation and animal herding. Rather than the architecture being the product of organized societies as long had been thought as has long been thought there is new thinking that, in fact, it may have been the organization 
needed to build on such a scale that helped usher in agriculture and settled society. What the fuck did I just read? Product organized society. There's a mistake from that. May have been needed. Uh, oh, okay. So architecture helped them usher in agriculture and settled society. Okay, I alright. Archaeological definitions of architecture tend to be broader than those of design professionals. Um <clears throat> that's just talking about that's not. Mm. Oh, it says older houses with ritual components have been discovered in sites in Jordan and the southern Levant. There's even older stuff that is smaller. Um, site illustrates a cusp period of architecture emerging alongside more complex organizations that produced surpluses and gradually shifted from gathering wild crops to farming. Okay. Some of the earliest domesticated wheat was found in the area, and the Gobekli Tepe stones feature depictions of dogs, the first animal to be done by humans. Huh, that's pretty cool. Um what's that about? Um was there a civilization on Earth before human what is this about? Is this about um anthropology astro no that's astrobiology. Huh. I, uh, this is not what I thought it was. That's, uh, from the Atlantic. Interest. Um, and apparently then after I found, or was reading about Gobekli, uh, Gobekli Tepe, um, there's a site even older in Turkey. About a thousand years older, so that's that's not as exciting now that I read that last whole article. Um, I don't know; it's only about a thousand years, but I mean, looking at pictures of it, it does look. Yes, look. B o b e k l i Pepe. Family or family orpha? I don't know. Um, S was stuff underneath it. These are the languages I understand. Um, but recently, um, also Graham Hancock, uh, wrote the foreword to this book that, uh, I hope I don't fuck his name up, like, one else thought they were going was also recently on uh, JRE too. This guy's book, Immortality Key, is the secret history of the religion with no name. Ryan C. Morescu, Morescu, and um, basically, um, is it a groundbreaking dive into the role psychedelics have played in the origins of Western civilization? 
a real-life quest for the Holy Grail that could shake the church to its foundation. The most influential religious historian of the 20th century, Hudson Smith, Houston Smith, once referred to it as the best-kept sacred history. The ancient Greeks used drugs to find God, and did the earliest Christians inherit the same secret tradition? A profound knowledge of visionary plants, herbs, and fungi passed from one generation to the next. Ever since the Stone Age, there is zero archaeological evidence for the original Eucharist. Sacred wine said to guarantee life after death for those who drink the blood of Jesus. Holy Grail and its miraculous contents have never been found, and the absence of any hard data whatever happened last supper remains an article of faith for today's 2.5 billion Christians. Unprecedented search for real answers. Immortality key examines the archaic roots of the spiritual of the ritual that is performed every Sunday for nearly one third of the planet. Religion and science converge to paint a radical picture of Christianity's founding event. After centuries of debate to solve history's greatest puzzles once and for all, before the birth of Jesus, centuries of debate, wait, oh, before the birth of Jesus, ancient Greeks found salvation in their own sacrament. These sacred beverages were routinely consumed as part of the so-called ancient mystery. Labert writes that lead initiates to the brink of death. Oh, yeah, I forgot about it. He almost died. The bright, best and brightest from Athens and Rome flocked to the spiritual capital of Eleusis, or Eleusis, forget how he's, where a holy beer unleashed heavenly visions for 2,000 years. Others drank the holy wine of Dionysus to become one with the god. In the 1970s, renegade scholars claimed this beer and wine, the original sacraments of Western civilization, were spiked with mind-altering drugs. In recent years, vindication for the disgrace theory has been quietly mounting in the laboratory. The constantly advancing fields of archaeobotany and archaeochemistry have hinted at the enduring use of hallucinogenic drinks in antiquity, and with a single dose of psilocybin, the psychopharmacologists at John Hopkins and NYU are now turning self-proclaimed atheists into instant believers. Um, but the smoking gun remains elusive. If the sacraments survived for thousands of years in our remote prehistory from the Stone Age to the ancient Greeks, did they also survive in the age of Jesus? Was the Eucharist of the earliest Christians, in fact, a psychedelic Eucharist with an unquenchable thirst for evidence? Morescu takes the reader on his 12-year global hunt for proof. He tours the ruins of Greece. Hold on. Um, he toured the ruins of Greece with its government. Uh, archaeologists gained access to the hidden collections of the Louvre Museum to show the community continuity from pagan to Christian wine. He unravels the ancient Greek of the New Testament with the world's most controversial priest. He spelunks into the catacombs under the streets of Rome to decipher the lost symbols of Christianity's oldest monuments. Reaches the secret archives of the Vatican to unearth manuscripts never before translated into English, and with leads from the archaeological chemists at the University of Pennsylvania in Massachusetts technology, he unveils the first scientific data for the ritual use of psychedelic drugs in classical antiquity. The immortal key reconstructs the suppressed history of women consecrating a forbidden drug Eucharist that was later banned by the church fathers. Women who were then targeted as witches during the Inquisition when Europe's sacred pharmacology largely disappeared. 
if the scientists say a resurrected Jesus, technology, then Christianity is in crisis. Unless it featuring a featuring a foreword by Graham Hancock, my dude, New York Times bestselling author of America Before the Key to Earth's Lost. Graham Hancock, I think, had like a couple books written about that lost civilization. Um, another one was called uh, Secrets of the Gods, I think, or The Keys to the Gods. I think there's a lot of key. But um, all very, very interesting things to think about. And uh, especially if you know, Christianity is based on... Uh, um, Mr. Rogan, Rogan talks about how people now think maybe Moses uh, was looking at a acacia tree. DMT off of it, burning is what caused him to have hallucinations. Oh man, there's uh, there's some sirens. Now they're gone. I don't know if those are actually there the whole time or not. Um, and it's it's kind of a controversial uh, thing, obviously, but. Uh, I already alienated some people with the Christian side hug thing. Christian side hug thing. So, you know, I I'm not trying to um, disparage it in any way. It's just interesting. That's how it came about. Um, how did this get suppressed? And and on JRE, he talks about how well you might not need somebody like a spiritual guy, like a priest or just go on this journey yourself, you know, things like that. And I think that's where the whole, the line that um, modern Christianity is in crisis, if this is all true. But I, I don't know. People are pretty steadfast in their beliefs when they're holding strong. Um, I had a really silly idea to record this in stereo with two microphones, but I don't have two uh, booms. Have to hold one, hold it the entire time, or uh, keep myself an equal distance from both of them to actually record in stereo. But it would be kind of funny. But I don't know if the actual track itself is going to be or, or mono. I'd have to do two mono tracks, I suppose, to get it in stereo. But then it would sound, otherwise, it would sound like technically 4D, and that would be. Probably a little silly. I don't know. I uh, I only took one semester of the audio stuff. Pretty much everything I just learned now by myself or from Google. So if anybody wants to reach out with some audio editing, uh, bits of information or help, that'd be cool. Email me, something, something, bedcast, gmail.com. Um... Basically, uh, to wrap everything up, if you want to go check out those uh, creation myths, I just I just Googled creation myths. Uh, Wikipedia came up, you know, the best resource, the only resource that anyone ever uses. No. I mean, it's, I don't, there's a whole community of people who moderate and check the facts. Obviously, an actual scholastic source is going to be better, but you can check the sources that people use to contribute to Wikipedia. A lot of them are pretty good. Otherwise, use your Google Scholar or your actual Scholastic Library. 
uh, Wikipedia is 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 still educational, at the very least. You know, at least you're gonna pick up some uh, surface deep on whatever topic you. But I digress. But um, yeah, just Google creation myths. Um, you can find the types of them on Wikipedia. Uh, between the sheep and the grains, one I talked about. The other one whose name I can't remember from the Babylonians it started with an E, like two words. Iroquois uh, turtle on the back of the, or on the back of the turtle. That, but um, yeah. So, um, I actually recorded this uh one time already. And uh, it was a little longer than this. I think even before I got started talking about Graham Hancock and um, Brian M. last name, I really just don't want to fuck it up any more than I already have. I'm gonna say it again. But um, I didn't feel like reading the uh, all the stone tablets. Um, not the stone tablets, but reading the tablets of the dispute between the sheep and the grain again because I, you know, I didn't feel like it again. But, um, yeah. I think that this is going to wrap it up for episode two. If anybody wants me to talk about, um, psychedelics in general, that might be interesting, or, like, DMT, um, uh, how it revolves in uh, metaphysics or something I don't know. Um there was a there was a CIA study done about uh and they called it transcendental meditation that kind of mirrors the effects of DMT and where you go. That's kind of interesting at least that you can achieve that yourself. I'm I'm getting in the uh, murky waters here now. Um but I can dive into that. I can dive into more ancient history. I can dive into modern history, whatever. Uh, I'm not really sure what the next episode topic will be about. Now that uh, ADHD Awareness Month is over, maybe I'll cover cover that topic for next year. Ha ha ha. Um, you know, just uh, keep it topical. Be 11 months early, one month late, whatever. Or uh, I'll do another thing, I don't know, for mental health. Uh, series. I'm not super sure yet, but um, I'll post something about it or I'll update one of the platforms to have information about it. I just wanted to get this back out, talk a little bit about how stories have helped us uh, progress as a people, uh, dive into a little bit of fringe information, you know, maybe something that's not, it's not, and that, that information I was talking about earlier, about the 12,000-year-old uh, civilization, is is kind of fringe. It's not super accepted by anybody yet because obviously there's not a whole lot of proof of it still coming. But uh, it does it does bring up the good point that um, coronal mass ejections are a pretty serious threat to us that we're not taking very serious. Not to trigger anyone's uh, existential crisis, but uh, if one of those big enough to wipe out the power grid was to come at us, we'd only have like seven and a half minutes wiped out i'm not sure why uh i'm talking i mean I'm, i feel like i'm talking at a pretty normal volume but um with all the filters i have coming on some of the i'm kind of fading and it's not picking it up but yeah basically you'd have like seven and a half minutes to um 
you know, figure your shit out before everything just goes. And I think, I mean, if we turn our satellites off, uh, I don't know how easy of a process that is. It's, you know, there's, I'm sure there's no fucking just off button. But if we were to uh, turn them off, they might not be ruined by it. But if they're on, like, I'm pretty sure they're all fucked. That's two F words in one episode. I wonder if I can say a third one and not get uh, in trouble. Uh, within five minutes of each other, at least. I don't know. But um, I'm going to leave with another uh, storytelling song. This one's going to go back a few years from the uh, first one. Yeah, I don't want this. I don't want the cover. Um. Um. That's eight minutes and forty nine seconds. Wow. Nah, I'm just gonna play the the regular song. Um. This this song it's it's less of a narrative story as like the first one was. This one just is more of a a canonical type story or um it uh follows along certain events um it is called sympathy for the devil by the rolling stones um basically it kind of just goes over bad things that have happened through history um for you know one reason or another and uh, kind of reports that uh satan himself was behind them you know so it's 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 actually i mean it's one of my favorite songs by them and uh it's pretty pretty good you know, I don't want to hype it up too much in case you hate it, but I don't think you will. Maybe you will. Somebody will hate it, but uh, let's do it. Killed the saw and 
Thank you for uh, your patronage, listening. Um, go follow me on Instagram at some bedcast, Twitter at some bedcast, email me at some um something something bedcast at gmail dot com. Uh, if that's not right, I'll put everything in the uh, description for these. Um, send in anything you want. Um. Ask me anything. I think there's a support link on all the anchor stuff if you feel like shooting some don dons toward the production um overhead. I don't know. Um I'm gonna leave it up to Mr. Hicks to round us out and all the audio platforms. Uh otherwise I will see you guys later. Bye. Today, a young man on acid realized that all matter is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration, that we are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we're the imagination of ourselves. Here's Tom with the weather.